Hi guys, it's Andy McDonald, physio and strength and conditioning coach, and welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. This episode today is a new style of episode that we're really pleased to be announcing and releasing in addition to our current traditional episodes, and it's going to be called Research Unpacked. This additional type of episode will be released under the current stream of episodes that you're used to listening to, and essentially we will be providing you with a short and punchy research summary where the author of a paper or body of work is interviewed to concisely bring their work, their reasoning and their findings to light. The host for Research Unpacked will be Alistair McKenzie, a sports physio working in academy level football in the English Premier League. Alistair, along with the guest, will efficiently introduce you to interesting work that can inform your practice in performance and sports medicine, hopefully saving you the time and effort that's required to be up to date, but in an interesting and hopefully digestible style. As I said, don't worry, we will still be releasing our traditional style of episodes where myself and or Ben Ashworth will continue hosting but we're hoping you enjoy these Research Unpacked episodes and we hope you get a lot out of them. Whatever your feedback, please contact us via social media because we're really keen to engage with you and hear your thoughts on this. You can find us at InformPerformance on Instagram or at InformPod on Twitter. I will now stop hogging the microphone and I'm going to hand over to Alistair for his first episode of Research Unpacked. Hey guys, welcome to Research Unpacked from Informed Performance. I'm Alistair McKenzie, a sports physiotherapist from the UK. And on today's episode, we have part one with Dr. Andreas Heggie. Andreas is a postdoctoral researcher currently based at the University of Nantes in France. As part of JB Morin's research group, Andreas is currently researching to identify key determinants of sprint performance in elite athletes. In part one, we discuss his first study, as part of his PhD, which was the first study to use high-density electromyography to compare muscle activity of the hamstrings during the stiff leg deadlift and the Nordic hamstring exercise. So let's jump in. Andreas, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Thanks a lot for having me. Before we get started, Andreas, can you just give the listeners a bit of a background on yourself and your journey through academic research so far? Sure. So... I've come from uh, Hungary. I did my uh, university studies in Hungary in Budapest at the Semmelweis University uh, in uh, kinesiology. So it's basically the study of of movements. So it's a very broad area. And uh, already in the second year, I got really interested in biomechanics and I joined uh, PhD students and I kind of got sucked into the uh, research life. Uh, so it wasn't really a question to me to start a PhD. And uh, I had this fantastic opportunity to to move to Finland, to Uvascula, to, to do my PhD. And uh, during my high school years, I played football. Uh, so I was quite interested in, in football and hamstrings. So basically, I, I did my PhD on, on hamstrings. So I, I spent five years on that. And uh, then uh, last year, I got quite tired of the cold weather. So <laughs> I moved to, to France, a uh, much warmer country. And uh, now I'm doing my postdoc in France in, at the University of Nantes. 
Yeah, and uh, being from England, mate, I don't blame you wanting to move somewhere warmer. I think that crosses our mind every day. Um, but let's talk about your first study that you published as part of your PhD, comparing regional muscle activity of the hamstrings in the stiff leg deadlift and the Nordic. So how did this come about and, and why was it an important area to explore further? Yeah, so uh, in this paper, we, we were really interested in uh, the activation of hamstring muscles uh, using high-density EMG. So basically, when you think about the background of this, this uh, study, um, well, there are many... Uh, papers discussing uh, regional distribution of, of activation of different muscles. And uh, these, these uh, papers use either uh, high-density EMG, that's what we used in, in uh, our study uh, on hamstrings, or there are uh, papers using different uh, electrodes in different regions of the muscles, like conventional EMG electrodes. So, the EMG is, uh, or electromyography, it measures the activation of the muscles, so the activation of the motor units. And there is another method, which is used muscle functional MRI, which uh, measures the transverse relaxation time of the muscle, so basically the metabolic activation of the muscle. It is also used to, to define the activation of the muscle and uh, distinguish between different muscle regions. And uh, on hamstrings, there has not been studies using high-density EMG. Uh, there was one study from uh, Brett Schoenfeld, who, who had uh, electrodes, conventional EMG electrodes in the proximal and distal side of, of the hamstring muscles. And he compared uh, one hip-dominant and one uh, knee-dominant exercise. And uh, it seems that uh, if you have a hip dominant exercise, because hamstrings cross the hip and knee joints, so these are biarticular muscles, when you have a hip dominant exercise, then the proximal region of the hamstrings is more activated. But if you have a knee dominant exercise, then the distal region is more activated uh, than the proximal region. But uh, the limitation with, uh, with this is that uh, the conventional EMG electrodes, they they are usually quite large, and the interelectrode distance is also quite quite uh, long, which means that uh, it's not very selective. So it might be that the the signal you measure is not coming from the target muscle, but it's also coming partly from from neighboring muscles. So um, we felt like there is a room for for improvement here. Uh, and uh, with muscle functional MRI, we also see that uh, the hamstrings are uh, heterogeneously activated uh, within each hamstring muscle. So uh, we really like, wanted to see the neural representation of this uh, phenomenon. And uh, with high-density EMG, there are, there are several studies showing that uh, uh, for example, the regional activation may be related to, to regional hypertrophy. It's not shown for many muscles, but for some. And for example, with pain or injury, the distribution of activation may change. And it's being linked to specific movements. Uh, for example, in the rectus femoris, which is uh, uh, part of the quads, 
it's a hip flexor and the extensor in walking if in in, in the early uh, swing phase uh, the muscle acts as a as a hip flexor so the proximal region of the muscle is activated but in the stance phase when the muscle acts as a knee extensor the distal region of the muscle is activated the most so basically we tried to follow this uh, this line uh, on hamstrings so we compared a knee dominant exercise to a hip dominant exercise and we put these high density emg arrays over the biceps femoris and the semitendinosus so it's basically a line of air, a line of electrodes so we have 16 electrodes along the muscle so it covers a much larger area of the muscle so it gives a more comprehensive overview of muscle activation and we are able to assess regional differences within the muscle with this method so basically that's that's uh, how we got into this uh, this study yeah brilliant mate and this was the first study i think to use high high density emg on the hamstrings so um what did you find when you analyzed the data in comparison to previous literature yeah so for the the biceps femoris we found quite well for both muscles we we found uh, regional differences within the muscle but the distribution of the emg was different between muscles uh, so for the biceps femoris, the activation was the, the largest in the distal region uh, in both exercises. And uh, in the semitendinosus, it was the, the largest in the mid to proximal region in both exercises. So we, we couldn't see this, uh, this uh, exercise specificity or that uh, the exercise really affected the regional distribution of the muscle even though the differences between regions were larger in, in the Nordic hamstring exercise than in, in the stiff leg deadlift exercise. So the magnitude of the differences between regions was different, but uh, overall the distribution was quite similar. Yeah, that's really interesting. So basically the, the Nordic has a larger intermuscular difference between the, between the semi-ten and the biceps femoris longhead, but within the muscle, the distribution of activity is fairly similar across the two exercises. Yeah, exactly. So from a, from a methodological perspective, um, I know it's really important to have a good understanding on like normalization techniques. Um, so can you discuss a bit around normalization and the different types there are and what you used in this study and how we might interpret that? Yeah, so uh, we normalized to uh, MBC. So uh, basically, they performed maximal knee flexion, isometric knee flexion. And we also had a, another task, which is not uh, used frequently, which is the combined uh, hip extension and knee flexion, maximal voluntary contraction, uh, because the hamstrings are biarticular, so they, they contribute to hip extension as well. So basically, uh, we thought that maybe if you perform this, this uh combined contraction then you achieve higher activation in the muscles so uh, we we use this uh, basically we use the highest activation we could achieve for each electrode uh, with an mvc and uh, of course there is a lots of debate about normalization of the of the emg signals and uh, 
for example, it may change with the, for example, some studies show that if you have uh, a knee flexion MVC with a more flexed knee position, then you achieve higher activation in the semitendinosus. And in more extended, you achieve higher activation in the biceps femoris. And probably the, the regional distribution also changes when you perform different tasks. For example, we recently published a paper uh, with uh, comparing the, the knee flexion MVC to this combined hip extension and knee flexion. And we could see that uh, in the middle region of the biceps femoris, we achieved higher activation with this combined uh, uh, contraction, but not in the proximal and distal regions. And it wasn't uh, seen in the semitendinosus muscle. So. Of course, the, the task you perform is affects the, the activation of the, like the observed activation of the muscle. So we always have to be very careful with uh, how you, how we interpret, interpret the, the magnitude of the EMG signals or when we compare different muscles, it can also be affected by the normalization and, uh, of course, there are some studies which normalize to, to sprinting because we can see that in sprinting, we have a very high activation in the hamstrings in the late swing phase. So, um, so basically, that's uh, also one way, but then you allow, allow for uh, individual coordination strategies. And uh, so, and also it's, it's not so, uh, like not so controlled as an MBC. So MBC is still the most accepted method for normalization. Yeah, brilliant. And um, we are discussing in a follow-up part the, the recent paper you published on high-density EMG during, during varying sprint speeds. So keep an ear for that one. But just to sum up, I guess, from a clinical viewpoint, what do you think are the key practical considerations that can cleanly be drawn from this paper? Or what, where's some of the future research needed um, to build from this? Yeah, so uh, it might disappoint for some, some of the audience because uh, it's, uh, it's a cross-sectional study with EMG only. So uh, it's very difficult to say, say anything about clinical implications safely, as you said. Uh, but uh, it's, it's quite interesting that the activation was the lowest in the proximal region of the biceps femoris because that's where we, like most hamstring injuries occur. Uh, so it's just a question that is it possible that you cannot really prepare that region for this uh, or for sprinting uh, when high activation is needed or uh, uh, it, you, we, could, we could probably assume that uh, because the Nordic hamstring exercise, uh, the activation was much higher in Nordic hamstring exercise than in the stiff leg deadlift, then probably the adaptations are also more pronounced after a Nordic hamstring exercise intervention. But uh, it may not be true again, again because activation is only one factor which affects the, the adaptations in the muscle. And... Uh, Muscle length, for example, is another important uh, aspect. So it's a, it's a tricky question. <laughs> yeah, and um, 
Andrew Vygotsky, I think, published a review in 2018 on how to interpret EMG studies, which I found really useful. Um, and he, he included things like the role of non-contractile tissue and force length curves and muscle architecture, which all contribute to force production around a joint um, and will influence adaptation. And he describes muscle activity of EMG as like a scaling factor um, to the maximum potential of active force um, at a given fiber length and velocity. So it's really important, I think, when from a clinical point looking at these studies to have an understanding of the fiber lengths changes and the velocity of movement as as well as EMG at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Whilst we're on interpreting uh, EMG studies, are there any other limitations uh, that people should be aware of when reading this kind of paper that involves EMG? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, for example, uh, with EMG, we should always mention crosstalk, which means that uh, it may be that you don't measure from uh, this the target muscle, but some of the signals. So the signal may be contaminated by the activation of neighboring muscles, uh, which we always mention when we talk about uh, EMG. But uh, with high-density EMG, the electrodes are very small, and the inter-electrode distance is also smaller than in conventional EMG. And we also use uh, ultrasound to to define the middle of the muscle. So we put the electrodes as far from possible, as far from the muscle borders as possible. So we really try to minimize it. But we at this point we don't have data to show that the the crosstalk is really minimized. So we should always uh, take this into consideration. And uh, of course, the EMG signals are affected by other factors. So uh, as we mentioned, the normalization is important to mention. And also, the, uh, for example, the rotation of the fascicles under the skin uh, is another issue. So if it's different between regions, then it can also affect the, the activation to some extent. Uh, Maybe it's uh, it's uh, maybe we are just too cautious when we say it because uh, uh, we see similar distribution with muscle functional MRI than uh, with high density EMG, but uh, it's also important. And in the fusiform semitendinosus, this effect is not uh, really uh, valid, probably. But probably these are the, the most important to to mention with uh, regarding EMG. Yeah, that's brilliant, mate. And um, well, I guess just to finish up, can you just summarize some of the key points that you think uh, people you want people to take away from this research? Yeah, so the first key point is that the activation of the hamstrings is heterogeneous uh, within the biceps femoris and semitendinosus, and the differences are, are quite large. So when you use only one pair of electrodes over, uh, over the muscle, then probably it will not describe the activation of the whole muscle accurately. And it, this might affect the, the interpretation on, on the activation of the muscle and when you compare different muscles. And this may be one reason why some, like we have so many uh, discrepancies between uh, EMG studies when, when assessing the intramuscular distribution of uh, EMG activity. 
Yeah, excellent. And and thank you, mate. And and that brings us really to the end of part one. But in the next part, we're going to be discussing uh, Andreas's follow-up studies on hamstring muscle activity during a large variety of exercises uh, and variations of the Nordic hamstring curl. So thank you for listening and catch you next time for part two.